Mansell with HJ Sports, and today we're going to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022. So new for 2022, we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket. No longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second axis adjustments. So as you'll see on the scope housing, uh, there's actually an additional brick. You can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside. Just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three eighths, an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarters, and then also our four pin housing, which is an inch and three quarters. We also offer a 10 thousandths pin and a 19 thousandths pin for both single pin and four pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your Tetra bow sight, you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that. You'll just loosen those and slide it up and down. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra site is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light. This is an added on accessory, but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line bow sights, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter Edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HHA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry a 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com. Hello, we're at the BATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. 
Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. All right, folks, thank you for tuning into another episode of Bucks of America podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vance. Uh, t- the head of the episode is st- the Dust Off Project from Sticks of Stone Archery in Iowa. The foundation is started here a few years ago, and the whole process is what Dust Off means is that if you have any old archery equipment lying around your house, you don't want to use it, and you but you don't want to uh, sell it because it's like you're not going to get your money, but you want to give it to a good cause, reach out to Tyson Trunkhill or reach out to me, and he'll be able to tell you what you need to do about donating your bow or any archery equipment that you just d- want to give to a good cause. So tonight's episode is a longtime guest. His name is Brian Austin from the Beast Mode Archery Challenge. Now, I've known Brian here since 2019, and we've had a really good relationship over the last several years, and this was my first year actually doing the Beast Mode Archery King of the Hill 3D challenge. And this right here, this whole episode is building a history of what inspired Brian into creating what he did because he's got a he's starting to have a really good following, is really starting to pay itself off. And I'm looking forward to find out what the final numbers were of 2022. But I want to start us back in 2019. Brian, where did you come up with the King of the Hill 3D? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on again, Jeff. I do appreciate this. I appreciate your time, and you're welcome. Pre- appreciate everybody that's listening in on this, and and uh, and I do have to thank, take this opportunity, to thank everybody that did come out to the King of the Hill uh, 3D at Tyrell Basin a couple weeks ago, and and uh, as I always say, it's it's the people that come to the event that that make it the event that it is. It's not necessarily the targets or the location or anything like that. It's, it's the people that are participating in it. So uh, I do very much appreciate those people and and the shooters that came out. So we had, I guess to go back to 2019, I guess 2020 was the first year that we had this event. Uh, I, I started planning for it in 2019 and you got to remember, this is uh, you know, the height of the pandemic. Uh, the planning for this event and all the scheduling happened pre-pandemic in, in 2019, and uh, we had big hopes and dreams for that first year with not only the King of the Hill 3D, but I had two other big events scheduled that, um, just like everything else, the pandemic uh, uh, you know, just threw a, a major wrench into things. And then uh, taking into consideration the location, it's at Tyro Basin Ski uh, Resort in Dane County, Wisconsin, uh, which is a very um, liberal, progressive county with a lot of very strict um, uh, rules and ordinances that went into effect during the pandemic. So that first year, it was scheduled to be earlier uh, in July. We ended up having to push it back to, I believe it was the last weekend in August in 2020, uh, because of the uh, restrictions that we had in Dane County, we, we were under, a, I believe it was a 36 person outdoor uh, restriction that we were in until until about July. So all of my events got pushed back 
uh, that year. And we didn't even know if we were going to have them, which is, you know, as you can imagine, the first year you're trying to plan for something and uh, you don't know how it's going to, uh, how the turnout's going to be, but then you throw all that into it. Uh, so the first year was a, a very sketchy year in terms of, well, is this going to be a one and done type of thing or, or what's going to happen? So uh, luckily, you know, by uh, June, mid, I think it was early to mid-June of, of that year, things were starting to lift and look better and, and the restrictions were starting to lift. So uh, I started pushing for that event a little bit more. And like I said, we pushed it back, I think, a whole month. Uh, that first year, we had, I believe, 110 uh, people that registered ahead of time, or I think it was like 110 to 115 total shooters that first year, which was great. I, I had no idea what to expect. And uh, again, like I said, a month before that, there was probably less than 10 people that were signed up. So we had a lot of people sign up in that last month leading into it, which is uh, from an event director standpoint, it, it stresses you out, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> you, you invested all this money in targets and and not only just targets, but signage. And it, this is so much that goes on behind the scenes to to make an event like that happen. Uh, but that first year, uh, I'm trying to think how many targets we did have. I believe we had, uh, I don't think we had 40 targets. It might've been in the thirties. Uh, we had one course uh, that was kind of broken up uh, where at the kind of the halfway point, I brought them back to what I call base camp, which is kind of that, that main sh where the chalet is and where everything is, is kind of located there at Tyrell Basin. Uh, so it gave them a chance to kind of catch their breath, grab some food, go to the bathroom, that type of stuff, and then go out on the, on the, on the back half. Um, and again, like I said, I think there's maybe 36 targets or something like that. Uh, the practice area was much smaller than what it was this year. We had targets, but nothing of the significance that we had this year. And it was just kind of low key. We didn't have uh, any uh, sponsors were there. We didn't have any vendors. It was, again, it was 2020 height of everything. And, and people were, some people were still freaked out about stuff, but uh, you know, it, it's, that's kind of a time frame that a lot of us just kind of black out and, and, and don't we don't realize what we all did you know we were putting uh, hand sanitizer in our hands after you touch anything and all that kind of stuff so it's really changed since then thankfully um but the event has grown a lot and um you know shout out to nathan with tyro basin uh these events wouldn't be happening without without him and without his staff you know they do a lot of stuff there to to prep the facilities and and uh, they do a lot of mowing and, and just all kinds of stuff to, to make it happen. They're usually not open on weekends in the summers or uh, so they're open on, you know, his staff comes in for the weekend to, to help us out and make sure that uh, people are being served and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'm just blabbing along here, Jeff. What uh, any, any other questions about that first year? It's kind of, it, you know, it's only been three years ago, but it's it's kind of a blur. It seems like it was a lifetime ago. That is that is a very true. And you just got done with all that stuff, so it's like you're 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 still in business mode. And now you slowly transitioning into elk hunting mode here pretty right. soon. So, which is pretty cool. But I, my thought was, I wanted really wanted to get down. So, like, what inspired you in 2019, to like to put together the sure. King of the Hill 3D shoot? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, archery has been a big part of my life for a long, long time. 
And I've traveled uh, all over the place doing different types of archery events from, from competitive shooting to uh, fun events like the total archery challenge and, and other events like that. And um, to be honest with you, I just got tired of traveling uh, and, and doing those events in other States. And, and I understand why everybody compares uh, our event to attack. And I want to explain what the difference is. And, and there's nothing against TAC. I've done many TAC events. And while we do have, you know, our shots are long shots and challenging shots and stuff like that, just like TAC and just like other events like TAC that have been around for longer than what TAC, TAC was not the originator of these events. Um, they just, they like me, you work a lot, uh, you do, you put on events for a long time before you become well-known. They're just, they've made it and congrats to them. Congrats to Sean and, and all of his staff. And uh, they put on some excellent, excellent events. Um, but I saw that there was an opportunity here in Wisconsin. Wisconsin has probably more bow hunters than just about any other state. Maybe Pennsylvania might have more than us, but uh, we have a huge concentration of bow hunters and archers. And there just wasn't any events like this, like TAC that was going on. So I'm like, well, I'm going to put a spin to it. Uh, and you know, with my, the beast mode archer challenge with the, um, the physical, uh, aspect of it, that first year, now I'm starting to remember some of the, some of the differences that we, we did the first year. So the first year we actually had on every target, I had a different scenario. Um, that scenario could have been, you know, draw and shoot from your knees or, uh, Hey, uh, have your buddy pull out his cell phone and, and have him time, you know, do a 30 second hold on this target, you know, stuff like that. So that's what really made it really unique that first year is that we spent the time and made each target a different scenario, which was cool. People really liked that. But what I found out is that uh, a lot of people didn't, didn't really care, care about it. They was like, Hey, I just want to come and shoot. Uh, I want to shoot these long shots that, at most of our clubs, we don't have the opportunity because they don't have the space to do it. Or um, I used to be a board member at our local club and, and help set up uh, courses there. And, um, you know, if you have a, a shot that's a little challenging, you hear about it from everybody and their brother that that target was too far or they shouldn't have had that limb in, in front of it or whatever like that. So these events, the King of the Hill, is designed to be challenging is designed to have longer shots, steeper angles. Cause we're at a ski hill. Uh, there might be a branch or something between you and that target that you have to figure out how is the trajectory of my arrow going to go, is it going to go over that? Is it going to go under it? Uh, do I need to kneel? Do I need to sit on my butt? You know, it's, so it's learning, uh, the, you know, these events aren't only fun, but they should be, uh, helping you learn about uh, your archery setup. Uh, for when it comes to bow season, because uh, I want them to be lifelike or realistic scenarios uh, that you might encounter. Obviously, you're not probably going to be shooting 120 yards at a buffalo, right? But hey, yeah. it's fun to do. I mean, that, that's it's it's practice. Uh, hopefully, it makes you maybe a little bit better shot at a closer distance because you're working on your form and and every little uh, minute uh, uh, discrepancy in your form is going to show it that those distances. So that's something to, to learn. But that first year, really the motive uh, is to bring an event to Southern Wisconsin, because, uh, you know, a lot of my buddies were like, love to do shoots like that, but there just wasn't anything around. 
so that's really what it started out was, is, is trying to, to fill a void that wasn't there, that I really thought that there was a demand uh, for people to do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's as simple as that. I'm not <laughs> trying to make it over overly complicated, but I'm like, well, if nobody else is going to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And you had a, a beautiful property to be able to do so because you are right, though. Tack is a bit of a drive. I mean, we're, our, our closest tack here is northern uh, Michigan, and that's still from lacrosse. It's still seven, eight hours, and that's that's a bit of a drive. And then, and then everything else is, what, in Colorado and North Dakota it's, and South Dakota? Yeah, South Dakota has a really nice one at Terry's Peak. That's if anybody's looking to do one that lives here in Wisconsin – Terry's Peak is, you know, within a day's drive and, and it's a great, great venue. Um, I've, I've been there a couple of times. Uh, you, you do, I mean, it is in the West and you really do feel like you're in the West. I've been to the one up in Michigan and, um, you know, it was fun, but it wasn't, uh, I'd definitely say if you're going to pick one, I would go to, uh, to South Dakota over, over Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, for me personally. But, um, yeah, it, and I understand why, why TAC, I know they've looked at coming to Wisconsin and people want them to come to Wisconsin, but to be realistic, we just don't have many ski hills that are big enough uh, to put on an event like TAC because TAC that, you know, I don't know how many targets they're up to, but they're over a hundred targets. Wow. Uh, many different courses and they're just not the space um, to do it. Uh, I mean, there might be a couple hills, but then it's also then once you do find the hill that might be large enough Will they allow them to come in and are they going to charge them an arm and a leg? I mean, there's so many things that go on behind the scenes. It's not just, hey, show up and set up an, an archery course. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes just to get that, get them to, con- you know, have TAC or have some a company like that. Like the Northwest Mountain Challenge, they stick to the, you know, the Pacific Northwest. They have kind of their niche up there. Um, so, yeah, it's just uh, I just don't think that there's a ski hill uh, resort that's really big enough in Wisconsin that would also allow them to do what they do. Yeah, because I could see that I've never been to a tax, so it's like I don't have anything to compare it to. So mm-hmm. with that understanding, it's like that's my why I decided to come here. Like we, we Alicia and I had a, had a conversation regarding do we go to Beast Mode or do we go to to um, go up to Belfast because it happened to be the same weekend. Well. Mm-hmm. Our trip came up, and I decided to like, well, I'm not going to go to Bowfest. I'd rather come and support you. So, which, which in turn, I did. Now, I think that's a pretty swell idea because you can now bring people from Northern Illinois, from Iowa, Minnesota, and bring them close to a, a challenging event like this. Because I, I definitely would put me out of my comfort zone with over hunt with the uh, 80 yard shots, 90 yard shots. Uh, the Buffalo was 129 yard shot. I mean, it definitely threw a loop in there, especially the. Uh, the Western mm-hmm. hunt, the Western course. I think it was target number 10 or 11, where it's where you got this. I thought for a second there was a dog with a bandana, but here it was a um, bobcat. Yeah, and a lynx. Yeah. Lynx, there you go. But it's, it, you only have a small window to shoot. And I managed to figure out how to get it through that hit target. But uh, Jeremy, he lost an arrow. He just he hit that one air, the one spot where it's, it's the arc just right. You're gonna hit that top one, or if you, or if you go too low, you're gonna hit the bottom, the, the other twigs and stuff like that. Then Ryan mm-hmm. lost an arrow too. But uh, myself and Isaac, this 15 uh, year old kid that's just really taken to uh, to archery, and man, him and I managed to make it straight in through it. But it was not an easy challenge because I first like I'll be get on my knee. Nope, that didn't work because I'm too low. Then it's like well, then I found a, a log. 
it gave me the proper height and I just put, put all my weight on my back or my right leg, just drew back and sent it straight through. And I heard foam and like, I was happy because <laughs> at that point in time I was down to one arrow. So I had to make oh, sure each awesome. shot had to really, uh, really be considered. So yeah. I, for those who have been in my shoes, where you only have one arrow left. You definitely put a lot more thought process on how you're going to draw back and shoot. Cause even on the front, course like the last mm. i don't know like last four of them where you where you purposely put the heart shot right and you put a stump cut in half and it's like well to try to get that 12 or that heart shot you have the potential of putting drilling your arrow with that stump and it's like well i'm not gonna chicken out and just take a five i'm, I'm gonna put some energy into it i still manage to sneak it in there but what i like about it is that you put in there you didn't do points you went Heart, lungs, body shot. And I think that's genius because now you're putting your mindset into a hunter's perspective mm -hmm. because it's like these are shots you're not going to take in the wild. But it's going to let you know if a shot like this ever came up and you can at least give yourself a critique. And this way you're, you're only critiquing yourself. You're not critiquing your partner. So have you right. always done this type of uh, scoring with heart, lung, and body shots? Yeah. Uh, so for the King of the Hill, I, I believe maybe the first year we did the 12, you know, the IBO, the 12, 10, 8, 5, 0. But uh, again, this type of event is, is it's a fun event. Uh, it, it, most people that keep score are keeping score for bragging rights between you and your buddies. Uh, we, we don't ask for people. We actually don't want your scorecards. We don't post your scores. We don't do any of that type of stuff. Uh, and I want it to be uh, as realistic as possible for a hunting situation. So like kind of to your point, is that a lot of these shots, some hunt, many hunters may not won't take them in, in the wild, but they might take them as a follow-up shot. You know, if you get a shot on an animal and it, it didn't go down right away uh, and there's some brush, well, I'm going to sneak that second arrow in there as, as long as it's standing, it's, the arrows are flying until that animal is down. Uh, and this might be a good opportunity for them to learn how, how to do that type of stuff, especially uh, – uh, you know, shooting from your knees and shooting from different positions. And, and especially as a Western hunter, you're not going to have a flat surface for you to stand on. It, it, it's going to be uneven. It's going to be uncomfortable, but so many people, they just focus on shooting in their backyard on a flat course or shooting from their deck or a tree stand and everything's nice and perfect. But in reality, it's not going to be perfect when, uh, you know, when that shot, comes this fall so um yeah it, the um i forget what your other question was i just feel like i'm going on a tangent jeff <laughs> no that's fine you're you this is this is podcasting man. this is that's uh conversation 101 uh yeah. that was it for that particular one but now i wanted to follow up with like so we transitioned from 2020 to 2021 what were some of the the changes that you that you made or did you increase your targets? Like kind of give us a breakdown that I know granted it was not that long ago, but it's still, you've had a lot of life between now and then. Right. Yeah. So uh, from year one to year two, uh, we changed the course up a little bit. Um, uh, I, I, I sent out a survey and there'll be a survey going out here pretty soon to everybody that participated in, in this pat in this year's event. And uh, a lot of the changes that I make from, from year to year is from the survey I send out in terms of what the people like, what didn't they like and how can we make it better or what can we change? So a lot of the changes from year to year are from what people want, not necessarily from what I think they want. The, the base of the, of the event is from what I 
personally like to see in an event. Uh, and kind of back to that point of, of how this came about, I've gone to many events um, where you are waiting 20, sometimes 30 minutes between a target to shoot because there's so many people on the course, which for that event, it's, it's great. You know, they're having great success. But you know what? I didn't drive 12 hours uh, to shoot, uh, you know, 15 targets in a whole day because the course is so dang busy. Uh, that's just not, in my opinion, that's not uh, ideal for myself. I want to shoot targets. Um, so that's why hopefully you'll never see, you know, obviously you might experience a backup here and there, uh, but you're not going to see our courses being jam packed with people or more people than what they can handle. Because I personally wouldn't want that. I wouldn't, you know, to spend the money to come here, to spend the money on registration, uh, time away from family, time away from work. Uh, I want to make sure that these events are, are events that people are going to enjoy doing and are going to want to come back to doing. So that was one of my motivations back to what motivated me is, is to do events like this that give uh, hardworking bow hunters a chance to have an awesome time at, at an archery event and not feel like they're being crowded, not feel like they're being rushed uh, at each target. Um, you know, they don't have the bro fest of all the, the, the YouTubers and stuff. Not that there's anything wrong against that. And if they want to come, great, but I'm not going to pay them to come and do my event and publicize it. It's not for them. Uh, you know, I made this event for people like you, people like myself that have a passion for bow hunting and, and want to have a good time at an event. So yeah. Um, so that second year, uh, like I said, we changed up the course a little bit. We added more targets. I know the second year we for sure had 40 targets. Uh, the second year we had two courses, uh, two 20 target courses. Uh, and we allowed people to start on, I think, a, I believe it was either the front half and the back half, or it was called the front range and the back 40, basically something like that. Uh, and what that allowed then is for us to have more people at one time sign up. Because uh, uh, year one, there's one starting position. So uh, fortunately, we only had 100 and some people and it flowed very well. Year two, we grew by 100%. We, we had 220 shooters or around there the second year. Uh, and I had two uh, courses that they could start on and with multiple times. And I think we had, if I remember correctly, I think eight people could sign up uh, at any give giving uh what I call unleash time. That's the time that you get to go out on the course. Um, eight people on each course could go every 20 minutes. Uh, and then that's for the first few hours in the morning. Uh, and then we cut that off so that then as you finish, you might have a little bit of a break before you can go out on, on your second course. So the objective with this event, you know, again, we're not a Tyro isn't a huge facility where you're getting in, you know, uh, 12, 15 miles on a, on a 3D, 3D course like you can on some of these Western uh, uh, locations, you can get through all the, all the courses. You can shoot all the targets in one day. Uh, that was, that's what's nice about here in the Midwest and at Tyro Basin is that you can get a lot of repetition in. Uh, whereas the events I've done out West, um, a 15 target course might take you five or six hours. Uh, and 
you're kind of shot after that. I mean, you've only shot 15 targets over six hours uh, because it's, you know, a half a mile to three quarters of a mile in between each target. It's awesome because you get to hike, you're in beautiful scenery and stuff like that, but it's not a great place to get a lot of repetition, a lot of practice in uh, as what you can here. So that is a, a valid point, but man, that's pretty cool that you, you saw a hundred percent growth from year one to year two. Now let's bring us into year three, because this is this year you had a really major uh, takeoff. You had three courses and this was just absolutely a blast. And so, so based off your feedback off of year one or after, excuse me, after year two, what did you kind of implement for, to, to change for the outlay for this year? Yeah. So one of the bigger, uh, uh, responses was instead of having, uh, which we had targets that were long bombs that were out in the open long bombs. We had several of them just because we can. Uh, but the second year I kind of is maybe an oversight on my, uh, and we didn't have a lot of technical shots. Uh, so people are like, Hey, can, can you, can we have more wooded shots? Can we have more, you know, thread the needle type of shots? We're shooting between the branches, kind of like what you, what you were talking about. Uh, so we added several of those in. We, I tried to add those in on every course. The Savannah course, there wasn't too many. There was one, uh, uh, you know, the, um, I think it was the gazelle. The gazelle, um, yeah. That, that yeah. The tree got my, I donated right. the tree on that one. Yeah, those arrows are like 20, 30 foot up in that tree because of how the angle was. But mm -hmm. so we, I tried to add that in on every range. Not every target was that way because obviously not everybody likes those. Uh, and I guess the, the big thing is when you come to the king of the hill, you, you need to expect you're going to have long shots. You're going to have technical shots. You're probably going to lose or break at least one arrow. Maybe, maybe not. Many people didn't lose or break any arrows. A lot of people lost and broke a lot of arrows. So it really depends on how good of an archer you are. Um, but there's going to be something for everybody. Uh, this year was the first year. Now, the first two years, we've always said, uh, you know, we have the cone or we have the shooting position, which is kind of a long shot usually. Uh, uh, but you can always, you're welcome to shoot from any closer distance that you want. You know, feel free to do that. I got a lot of feedback from guys that were like, um, you really need to have a, sh a closer shooting stake because it's the ego that you and I have. <laughs> that that oh there's not there's not a closer stake so i have to shoot from the from way back here because i don't want to you know be seen as that person that needs to walk up to the target and shoot from wherever i want you know that's it's just something about us that we don't want to do that or you just don't even shoot that target and you walk on so uh i listened to that and i understand that uh, so we, we put a flag then for the, for the targets that were, that we could, we put a shooting, a closer shooting position. Some, we just couldn't because of the angle of the hill or, or debris or whatever it was. We just couldn't do it on every target, but the majority of targets, we had a, a spot that was closer. Now, was that closer shooting position, uh, as close as what you'd probably find at your typical club shoot? No, it was still, it was still a challenging yeah. shot. Uh, and you could still walk closer if you wanted to, and people did. Um, but it was at least it was a, it gave people that opportunity instead of uh, you know 124 yards or whatever the bison was, it was 88 yards or something like that. Instead of uh, you know 75 yards at the gazelle, it was maybe 
50 yards at the gazelle, you know, so it was, we, it was a reasonable distance. Um, so that was a big one. I'm eager when I send out my survey this year, I'm, I'm specifically asking about that. You know, did you shoot from the closer stake? Uh, did you, you know, did you choose to do that on all of them or just some of them? Cause I want to find out, I want to find out, is there really a, a, a demand for that? And do people really utilize that? Uh, because if so, great, we'll keep it. Uh, if people want to maybe a little bit closer, great, I'll do that. If they didn't do it, then I'm not bringing it back because that increases your setup time exponentially by having two shooting positions, uh, you know, mowing, weed whacking, all that kind of stuff to have two uh, positions to shoot from. Uh, it's just, it's just something that increases your setup time. So, and with only basically two people, me and Johnny that are setting up, it takes us a whole week to get ready for this event. Oh, I bet it does. I've talked to uh, Dan Schroeder with when he used to work for the S3DA and, and his, you'd be working his day job and then you would have to break the down to like three or four days to get everything ready for a Saturday shoot and then Sunday final. So it's like, it's a lot of work, especially yeah. if you don't have anybody else that's willing to volunteer for it because these, these uh, shots are not easy. So what was your tally for this year for 2022? It was 300 on the head. Nice. So yeah. another, another hundred percent. Well, close 50, to hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's still yeah. a real, it's still a really nice turnout though. I mean, 300 plus people, 300 people on the dot is still pretty badass. Yeah. We're, we're, I was hoping for somewhere in that three to 400. Uh, I honestly think uh, I was worried there at first when gas prices started, you know, we're, we're really going and everything was happening uh, with the economy registration that 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 three weeks when gas prices went high, uh, I had nobody registering for events. I had a surge right away, and then that happened. I'm like, oh boy, this this could be bad. Uh, but then, you know, after a few weeks, then the registration really started to pick up and 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 flow in. So, and and I think uh, this was the first year we offered an event a, a participant T-shirt. Um, but you had to be registered by I forget what it was. Is July 20th or something? It was like two weeks, two and a half weeks before, maybe it's three weeks before the event, just because we have to get those numbers into the printer. They have to order shirts. Correct. And as you know, the supply chain with all that crap is, is delayed, you know, so it's, it's no longer a week in advance. It's a two to three weeks that you need to get those numbers in. And, and because we are new at this and, and we don't have, you know, we don't have a big budget to work with. Uh, we just couldn't order, you know, we can't order, a thousand or thousands of shirts like some of these bigger events can and they have multiple events they can hand them out we have to be very strategic with where we spend our money but i really felt it was important to start getting participant t-shirts uh you know on the bodies of people shooting because that's a uh, people love this event uh i hear uh, a lot of you know stories about you know hey i brought my five buddies i was here last year with one of my buddies and we each brought four more people. That's how this event's growing. I mean, obviously I'm spending money on, on Google and, and Facebook and stuff like that. Even though I, I hate doing that type of stuff, you need to get the word out there. Uh, but really uh, if I look at my, my analytics, uh, the, the referrals or the word of mouth uh, was huge this year uh, in terms of, of the people that, um, that, that could make it or, or that made it that, weren't returning shooters. So I oh, think yeah. uh, uh, mm -hmm. last year, the event, so the first year of the event was the last weekend in August, which people kind of liked that. Uh, it was right before hunting season. 
but to be honest with you, I didn't like that because I had to leave for my elk hunt the very next week. And that was, I just felt so unprepared going into my, into my hunts, uh, you know, doing the event right beforehand. And, uh, last year it was, um, a little bit earlier in July. I, I can't, maybe it was a week or two weeks earlier than what it was this year. Uh, but then just with scheduling stuff with the stuff that, you know, my personal schedule, Tyrell's schedule, it had to be the last week of July. And I think that's going to be, uh, we're probably going to keep it the last week of July going forward for, unless some unforeseen circumstance comes up and, and I know, and, and, you know, I'll talk about this. It's the same week as both us. Um, so what, you know, uh, both fest is a totally different event. You know, I am not, uh, I am not a music fest with, with, with some archery targets. Uh, I am for the bow hunter, uh, and I want the I want people that want to have a good time shooting their bows coming to the event. Uh, just like I'm not like TAC, uh, you know, comparing me to TAC is like comparing your local 3D club shoot to TAC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're shooting bows and we're shooting targets, but it's it's a different uh, it's a different vibe, I guess. Oh, exactly. hundred percent. Cause my, this was like, I was in the fence up until Ryan Woodhouse told me like, Hey, I'm going. It's like, why don't you come with me? It's like, sweet. All right. Then it's like, cause the thought was, it's like, I'm going to exert all this energy. I'm going to spend the night and do the 3d shoot. And it's like, then I got yeah. the long drive back. So it's like that weighed on me more heavily than the gas prices did because that's all that's two and a half hours out, two and a half hours back. But now it's like, you have the, the entire day. So like with Ryan saying like, Hey, I'm coming. It's like, why don't you come with me? Well, then I, then I reached out to, to Jeremy from toxin. I only yeah. told him was to bring his boots. And then he brought his friend, Isaac <laughs> and boy, the grief I got, especially doing the Western course, uh-huh. he was just, just tired. Like we have this little 15 years bounded up the stairs. Uh, yeah, going right. up there with, and it's like, I was telling him, it's like, I started training back in May for this or, in beginning of June for this event. And it's like, I still kicked my ass, but the mm-hmm. best part, I was far more pr- pr- uh, uh, prepared than he was because it's like, yeah, I've been shooting with him, did the R100 and several HHA USA events. And he had no idea what to expect, but right. he, it, he came out just loving it. He absolutely yeah. had a gr- really good time. Isaac did really, really well. We all put ourselves in that thing. And like, this was Ryan's third event. He went to every single one of them. And this is like in his exact sentiment was is like it's closer than any other attack. And it's like when you right. sprinkle in a couple of kids, you bring in a wife and and his daughter shoots, his wife is he's trying to get her back in, but she suffers from severe target target panic. So it's mm. like trying to get her to trying to get somebody out of their head and fall mm-hmm. back in love after dealing with tar- target panic is 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 challenging from what I'm told. I've never had it because it's like my every shot is a new shot. I treat it as a cold shot. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That, that it, Exactly. Right. And, uh, you know, with that target panic stuff, uh, I've never really experienced it, uh, myself, but I know people that have, and you know, my, my fitness stuff, the BMAC games and, and all the archery fitness stuff that I do. Um, there's people that I know that have had target panic and that actually helps them because it gets them out of their mind. Uh, you know, rather it be doing burpees or pushups or, or hiking, uh, you know, up a hill and then making a shot right away that that type of physical exertion uh and then shooting your bow it it it, t- it just for a lot of people it takes them out of their mind uh and uh people just overthink it sometimes uh and if you get yourself out of breath and you start kicking your butt and then making a shot you're not thinking about you know you're not in your and you're not in your mind then and target panic kind of becomes uh, isn't really a, an issue anymore so but, oh yeah, exactly. Now um, I, I we started off in 
the Savannah range. And that uh, out of all three of them, that was my, my favorite because we start at the very bottom. We had those first like three shots, four shots. Mm-hmm. They're not easy shots. They're still over a hundred yards. They're in the shade. They're black targets. Good luck. <laughs> That's just <laughs> how it was. And then, then when you, then we, then we get up to through the ravine and, and going up through there and we had the owl shot, we had the rat or the snake shot, and then, then once you get out, when you start coming up to the top, then you that's when you have that 78-yard shot at the kudu or whatever it was. But mm-hmm. all those in between that really kind of gave you a perspective and, like, trying to get up and down those. Like, I'm a right. tall dude and a big dude, and so it's like I really had to pay attention because you you had to walk up a creek stream and you had to pay attention because those rocks had moisture on them from the humidity. There was not a lot of yeah. sun back in there. So those all played in roles because now you have to consider yourself. It's a, a very expensive helicopter ride right out <laughs> so yes and, and i was going to add that to what you were saying just a little bit ago is that uh you know this year we added the chairlift for the first time uh for the front range but other than that uh you're walking up and down the hills you're not just walking down the hill you know all the tacks i've been to they take you up to the top and you work your way down and it's a sweet walk and stuff like that but not a, not the beast mode. I mean, it's beast mode for a reason. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the king of the hill is nowhere near uh, the physical exertion uh, of the BMAC games and our new event, the BMAC uh, endurance event that's coming up in 2023. That all those three. Well, for example, the Savannah range coming up that that drainage. Uh, that that was part that was within the first mile of the beast course during the BMAC games. And competitors were carrying up to 40 pounds uh, traversing through that stuff. Uh, the Western Range, uh, again, going up, uh, if you recall, the, the shot underneath uh, the, the ski lift, it was a bedded ram, I believe. Yes. Uh, up that, there were a couple of guys ran up that with 40 pounds on their back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the, the pack out course, 80 pounds that they did some of those hills on. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. Um, and, Talk about, like you said, an expensive airlift ride uh, during the BMAC games. It was it was raining during the first half of the of the event. Oh, and I, I, I was like a stressed out Nelly, you know, because I'm like, oh, man, this is a this is a very, very tough technical course. And we got a lot of weight on people's backs. Uh, but you know what? People watched out for each other. They watched out for themselves. They took their time. And uh, there is no injuries at that event. And there's no injuries at the King of the Hill either. That's so the, the one thing that I'm criticized with, or I, you know, when I do uh, shoots around the state, uh, people come up to me and say, well, you're going to, you're going to hurt somebody. You're going to injure somebody. I was like, well, you know what? been doing this for three, four years. Uh, the worst injury that we've had was a, uh, was a heat stroke when it was 105 degrees one year. Oh, that was 2019. Yeah. I was there for yeah. that event. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so other than that, People watch out for themselves. I mean, that's obviously like you, you've been training for King of the Hill. Mm -hmm. Uh, You kind of, you know, you're, you're getting more fit. Uh, Some people that aren't exercising at all, maybe you, you might want to think about, uh, you know, not coming out, not, I'm not discouraging people to come out, but, but if people are really unfit and aren't taking care of themselves, I mean, this is, this event is, is no joke, even though it's just an archery event. Um, if, if you're not taking care of yourself, this, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta take, you gotta have self-responsibility, right? You gotta, you gotta mm-hmm. take care of yourself, especially the, the BMAC games, um, and the other events. It, I've been criticized as well too. Well, maybe, maybe you should change your name. You know, beast mode's kind of intimidating some people. Good. 
if it's if it's intimidating you, then you probably if if my if the name of the event is intimidating, then probably then you, it's probably not for you. Yeah. So not not saying that it can't be for you someday, but if that's your mindset, then uh, it's probably not the event for you. Exactly. That's the whole thing is you got to like uh, Jock Oling says, embrace the suck. And right. you t- t- in my mindset, when I'm doing it is like, I want to achieve that beast. And if I'm able to do all three targets, come out, not on a stretcher. I achieved that beast mode because I'm, I wasn't out there to compete with anybody except for myself and really right. get myself outside of the whole, the, uh, my normal, normal. Cause all I've been shooting is these local courses. They're boring. They get really boring, very repetitive, but right. it's fun though. But it's like, I do it for the HHA USA events. So it's right. like everything we do, it's always goes back to a good cause, but like right. signing up for a club and that's all you have to shoot kind of gets a little stale it's like shooting the same nine hole course and it's like i just tell people archery is for guys have testosterone it's a lot more there's a, there's a lot of things there because there's deadly consequences to a mistake mm-hmm. we're, well, we're- I, I think that's why uh, a lot of clubs uh, let's be honest a lot of clubs are hurting right now uh rather it be the pandemic or whatever it is but uh, a lot of clubs are just stagnant they're not doing anything different and new uh, and people do get tired of coming out, you know, if you have a, your local club and they have the same 3d, they have the same targets in the same location, every dang 3d shoot. It's like, well, maybe that's why you only have 30 people coming to your, your shoot this weekend instead of it used to be a hundred or whatever it is you got, there's gotta be, uh, creativity. some change. Yeah. Some creativity to it. And, and I'm, you know, I'm a supporter of your local clubs. I mean, get out there, be a member, volunteer, uh, and participate in those events because the day is going to come when you might want to, you know, go practice with your bow and arrow and you may not have a club close by to do it because um, they had to close because people just aren't participating. So, mm-hmm. and those, but, those insurance fees are expensive and paying the property taxes expensive. You know, right. I, uh, Alicia and I just signed up for the Toma Warren's uh, club just because Everybody we know that shoots there we like is there. And plus mm-hmm. it's it's always fun, beautiful canopy, great thing. And like the nice thing is like we with a well we well your your cousin shoots there, Bob and, and Jared. Mm-hmm. So it's like we, we have creative juices then and we don't have these these old bodies that are set on the board that are, don't want to change anything. It's like kind of like what ended up happening with um spotter rod and gun. They don't have archery there anymore. It's just only rod and gun. But the mm-hmm. R one hundred still still shows up for like the last this was their 16th year being there so which is still really nice and that's very nice and well laid out and stuff like that it's but it's it's very one-dimensional you you have easy shots and we all well i'll shoot with chris ham and and all those guys and we purposely like made the shots more difficult for ourselves because we have that flexibility we're not looking at inside the rules and we just want to have fun and it was more like a like a long six-hour business meeting because all we are is discussing like the 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 partnership with you this year. Are you mm-hmm. able to talk about that or not yet? Yeah, we can. Uh, uh, I can talk about what I know. Okay, there. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. We'll talk about. So, g- give us some. Give the audience because I've gotten to work with shoot with Chris like the last literally the last month. I've seen him here pretty much every weekend for the last month. But I know a little bit more about this than the audience does. So why don't you tell us what <clears throat> what um. Uh, created this uh, this tree, this blossoming garden here. Yeah, so Chris had this idea uh, for this past year, but uh, it just didn't didn't come to fruition this past year. So this coming year, uh, the last weekend of April, 
uh, you know, he's got this, this dream of bringing archers and trap shooters and, and gun shooters together. And, um, it, I say this cause not all the details are worked out. So if, if something doesn't work out, don't, uh, don't hold me to the flame on this, but no, that's why uh, we're kind of, cause you are right. There's still like, I've listed Chris and we're not going to give any dates or specifics, but we, there's a lot of potential that could be happening right. this upcoming uh, year. Cause it all comes down to the IRS and uh yeah pretty much comes down to the IRS because now that's that's all that's that's a whole different conversation for what's been going on literally the last two weeks but yeah it's like it's it's very exciting so anyways continue uh, i think maybe we should go work for the IRS i mean they need to hire 87 they need 87,000 employees employees i, I well, get this. It's like you you have to be physically fit for it. You got to be prepared to work at a little minimum of 50 hours a week. Then you have to work rotating. You have to work on call holidays and weekends. Then you also have to carry a firearm with you. You also have to prepare to, to be, be on raids and serve warrants. It's like this is mm-hmm. this. This is what we what we ran away from. We haven't seen this for over 300 years. And it's like I keep on telling people we are in the introduction of a horror movie. It's just that we've been so. Uh, not necessarily brainwashed, but the spells have been cast since the '60s about horror movies, and like, and we don't notice it. That's why we're they're allowing to move all these things quickly, mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of this comes down to is working with the five O's and C three, and working with the IRS, and like from talking with Liz Ann and a few others that have their five O one C. It is a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, not to get into all the, those details, but um, I am. As a small business owner, uh, having two kind of three different businesses, um, I'm not fearful, but I'm going to be really pissed if somebody comes knocking on my door when there's other people that should be investigated before before me. So, Correct. But let's not get in too deep into that stuff. Yeah, we exactly. can probably all figure out where I stand on that. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, so, so this is what... Let, let's let me talk about the event that I'm going to have on that weekend. There we go. I like and, that and, idea. And then uh, uh, let's just say that there's potential for uh, two, if not three uh, other events going on that same weekend near Tyrell Basin that doesn't, that incorporates shooting guns and pigeons and all that kind of good stuff. And, and also a, a 3d course uh, that's not, uh, that's at the uh, Blackhawk Bowhunters is where mm-hmm. that will be. Uh, so I came up with an event. Th- this is an event that I wanted to do back in 2020, uh, was scheduled for 2020, early of 2020, but was can- I just canceled it because of the pandemic. It was going to be in May of 2020. Uh, so I'm bringing it back, and, it- and it's called the Beast Mode Endurance Archery Challenge. And it's going to be the last weekend of April, April 20, I think it's the 29th at yes. Tyro Basin. Correct. Uh, and this event is going to be as much as I want to the first year have it be this big event. Uh, I need to start small because there's going to be a lot of stuff, a lot of moving parts of this event. Uh, eventually, I wanted to be a 12 or a 24 hour event where people are competing for 24 hours throughout the night. Uh, but this first event will probably be a six to maybe nine hours it's probably going to be a six hour event where you're basically trying to complete as many laps as you can in that allotted amount of time. Uh, there'll be targets on the course that you'll shoot, uh, for poor shooting. There'll be physical challenges that you're going to have to do, uh, like the, in the BMAC games, it's always a time penalty that you get. 
but for the endurance event, you're going to have to come. It's kind of think of it as a biathlon, you know, cross country ski and shooting. Uh, it's going to be, you know, rocking with a pack on and shooting your bow. And uh, if you shoot poorly, you may, maybe you have to drag a hundred pound sled, you know, 300 yards around this loop. And then you can go back out on, on the course or whatever. I mean, there, there's That's a lot of cool, evil. That's evil, well, man. <laughs> it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of evilness, Jeff. <laughs> so people will be able to participate, uh, uh, compete solo. You can do it on your own. Or right now I'm leaning towards doing a, a uh, also doing a team event where you can have a team of three to four people. And uh, if you have four people, at least three people have to be out on the course together and you're competing together as a team as you and your hunt buddies or whatever that are competing together. Um, so let's say uh, for a team, you have to carry a hundred pounds. So it's up to you on, and your team, how you disperse that hundred pounds across the three of you that are out on the course. If you're a team of four, all four of you can go out there. Uh, so it means less weight per person. Uh, but you can also have the option if it's a team of four for one person to kind of be resting or an alternate, and then you kind of uh, substitute every lap. So you have kind of a fresh person coming and going, but then that means you have more weight uh, between the three instead of four of you. So the exact details, I'm still, I have all hunt season to work out the exact details on, on that stuff, but I'm really looking forward to that. I think people are really excited about it. Uh, it's just a different type of a, of an event. It's not going to be as intense as the BMAC games. Uh, but it's going to be, it, oh, the other thing, uh, you don't, not everybody on your team has to be able to shoot a bow. Only one person on your team has to be able to shoot, uh, the target. Uh, so that's going to incorporate, cause I know a lot of people that say, man, my, I have friends or I have family that are, that are really fit or into, you know, they they actually do, they, they, they come training with me or they even come hunting with me. They just don't shoot a bow. Well, here's their chance now to participate and do it as a team uh, and, and to be a part of this event. And, and if that uh, encourages people to, to, to start shooting a bow and get more people into archery. Awesome. Like that's, that's a win-win for everybody. I, I have a couple stories like that from this past year uh, a girl named hannah that competed with her husband at the bmac game she uh watched her husband compete last year and she watched the ladies compete and is like man that is so awesome she got a bow she learned how to shoot she started training she trained every day for a year and she came out and competed on a team with her husband and they 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 won the team division they kicked the you know, there's a lot of teams that were, that were, that weren't co-ed that were just men and they, they beat them. And they were, and it's awesome to, to hear stories like that, to, to have people that were watching this event thinking there's no way I could do it. Um, but then they go home and they start thinking, it's like, man, if I just start walking or hiking and then, you know, every day you just build on to that day. I just made a post a little bit ago about, uh, you know, I've been in the fitness industry now for 22 years and helping people get fit and get healthier. And I've heard every excuse there is for, for not uh, working out or, or being healthier. I've heard from every, you know, uh, collegiate athlete, football player that is, you know, 150 pounds overweight now. But, I, you know, I used to play football and squat 500 pounds and all this. Like, well, what are you doing now? It doesn't look like you're doing that now. Yeah. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, I don't care if you're 400 pounds overweight 
or if you're an elite athlete, if, if you have the dedication and if you've made up your mind to start working, then let's get after it. Let's, mm -hmm. let's, let's do it. Uh, it. What matters is what you're doing today and what you're planning on doing tomorrow. If you focus on those two things, whatever your goal is next year, it's going to happen. But some people get too focused on what their goal is next year and they get the paralysis by analysis and they start analyzing things too much and they don't actually do the work that's needed. So yeah, self -sabotage. Not, to get, not, not to get yeah. on my soapbox here, Jeff, but <laughs> no, no, I completely get it. I did. I was on a podcast yesterday with Jason Kristoff. He has, he's got a whole program developed regarding the self-sabotage mindset. And I've, we've all been there to where, where we've seen ourselves get these, these funks or, or that couch gets awfully comfortable and just become a, mm -hmm. becomes a magnet and, what I've done is just simply just started out simple. Like, you know, I'll just start out walking and then I work my way up to doing a 5k a day. So this way I get my hips ready, my nips and my knees going and stuff like that. Cause one of my biggest excuses back in 2019 was my bad knees. But then I, then I, I, it's like, well, I could change that. Cause you gave me some pointers to do that. Well, then I ended up injuring my hip and that blew 2020 out of the whole way. In 2021, I was always scared because you had that, that, um, Oh, that's false sense of false sense of security. It's like, am I going to injure it or is it still hurt? Mm -hmm. Some of that. And then you, then you, then I, then I just like, I finally did it. It's like, now I'm, I am in a much better place. But the biggest thing is like learning from those around you and finding a community to work with and just starting, starting out simple, you know, just yeah. start by walking and then, then, then you increase it and you increase your, your pace. And then you go from there and then also focusing on your diet, like even learning like a little handy, little tidbit from, um, Mike Tyson there, like drinking warm water. It's like you got, you got change in metabolism. And then also like learning that if you, if you add an element of spice that could kick and turn in your metabolism, you're burning more stuff. So this way you're, you're, and it's like, that's just simple things like that. I've done that to create those little, uh, right. uh, achievements. It's all it really are. It's like you start adding all this stuff up. Then it, then eventually becomes a habit. Then you do, then you like, you don't even think twice about it. Right. Exactly. And, and that's, uh, you, know, you brought up Jocko, you know, there's David Goggins, there's Cameron Haynes and all that and all those guys. And what they're doing is great. Uh, uh, you know, I have a lot of haters on social media that that uh, just want to hate on everything that we're doing. And when it comes down to it, it's just their insecurities, their jealousness of 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 other people's success usually is what that comes down to. But 100 percent, you know, it's not you don't need to do what Jocko does. You don't need to do what Goggins does. You don't need to run a marathon a day like Cameron Hain does. I mean, that's their choice. They, they're sacrificing a lot to do what they're doing. And if that motivates people, then great. You know, find find what motivates you and and use that as fuel uh but you, you gotta when it comes down to it you gotta do it for yourself uh because you know you, you put too much um clout on uh idols or or heroes or what they're just people they're just people like you and i you know and they're gonna fail you at some point or another and plus uh, most of most of the people you talk to is like they're a whole different persona when the camera's on them and mm -hmm. when you actually meet when the camera's not on then you really find out the true testament for it but really really kind of changed my mind as i sat down our money guy and we're talking about insurance and life insurance and, and planning for our future but he says it's like between the ages of 30 and 62 you're more likely to become disabled than you are to have a a, a traumatic uh, life-changing alter alternative uh, um, event like mm -hmm. getting in a car accident you become paralyzed but you're more likely to become disabled from like heart disease or uh, having some type of an ingestion or 
mental health issues and such. So that's what kind of like really kind of sparked is like, I can really, I can need to change who I want to be. Cause it's like, I'm really like, I recognize this, the good, good old days of my life. And that's one thing that you got to recognize. Cause that's where you begin to start really appreciating. And that's where humility comes into play because I got to do a lot of awesome stuff this year. I mean, I got to come hang out with you and Johnny and then he'd come back from his, uh, back injury last year and just kind of crushing it through this year as, as well. Him winning yeah. the, uh, the BMAC games in his division. Then on top of that shooting with Chris Ham and, and going to the R 100 for the first time. It's like, you got to all these, these, these cool things are not done by accident. These are done by choices that you right. made to, to go through. So it's, it's sacrificing the, like instead of buying a new vehicle or buying something that will right. replace the dopamine. It's like creating these memories are going to be far more than that's what, that's what BMAX did for me. It's like, I create all these new fun memories and I'm talking to Alan Potter. I'm talking to everybody else. Cause you know, well, uh, Bob and Jared, they all shoot Tom as well. So now it's like, we're getting more of that group coming to join us next year. And it's just, if we can bring one person or two people to the event, we that 300 turns into 500 real fast. Right. Exactly. And that's, you know, if my event grows to five, actually, I don't know if I can grow to 500 because I may not have that many shoot times. Uh, but I do want it to grow because uh, I do need to pay the bills. Uh, but this year, luckily at the, at the 300 number, we did make some money. And I'm very thankful for that because it's been a long three years and, um, you know, it's, it, it takes a lot of money and resources to do that. And, uh, you know, the targets alone is a huge huge investment. And and I bet you just from that shoot alone, I probably have $3,000 worth of target repairs I got to do before next year. So it's, um, And there's a lot, there's a lot of overhead that people don't realize. They're like, Oh, it's just a bunch of targets and you set them up and you shoot them. It was like, no, there's a, a lot of other things that go on to it, but oh, yeah. uh, storage you know, too, as well. Transportation. Exactly. And transportation right now is super cheap to get from Tyrol to my house right now with, with, you know, with what gas is. Um, just kidding, Jeff. <laughs> so just, <laughs> would you like, cause I know back on back by the gorilla and back by the bison, do you think Nathan would allow you, you to actually have a trailer back there or a permanent fixture to be able to store your targets back there just to, to prevent them from going back and forth. Then you can turn around, you can take measures to help keep the rats from getting in there and the mice. Right. And so right now they say my trailer, I mean, I have a trailer that's big enough. My, my BMAC trailer, it's 30 foot cargo trailer. I can get all my targets in there. I'm pr- probably overweight, but uh, so they stay out there at Tyrell uh, all the time, oh, good. except for, except for now. Now that we're over, it's, it's in my driveway. Uh, but you know, it's a 40 minute drive from where I live and I'm going out there multiple times a week. Uh, you know, it, it's just all that little stuff, um, you know, it, it all adds up uh, over time uh, getting ready for this stuff. So, but you know, it, it, that is what it is and you just got to deal with it. But I, I, I do think it's going to grow. I think a lot of people, I'm, like I said, I'm eager to get this survey out, see what people think, but um, this year I personally did not hear too many like legitimate complaints I don't even know if I heard any legitimate complaints, whereas year one and year two, there was some because I think people were coming, not really knowing what, you know, thinking that they're going to have a bunch of 20 and 30 yard targets. Uh, Even though I have a disclaimer on the website, when you sign up, this is not your typical, you know, understand what you're signing up for. Uh, But this year I do, I really do feel like the people that 
did come and did participate. They knew what they're getting themselves into and they're looking forward to it. They knew they're going to break arrows. You know, if I get pissed off when I, when I break an arrow or lose an arrow, but when you come to an event like this, you, you have that mindset ahead of time. It's like, yep, I'm going to probably break an arrow, lose an arrow, but it's going to be a blast. You know, it's, it's a totally different mindset than, uh, probably when you go to your, your local club shoot and something happens or you, you, you forgot to move your pin or, or you used the wrong pin and you shot over or something like that, you know, that's, I, I'd be the first one that gets, gets pissed off about that, but you, oh, know, yeah. you, you get, you got to laugh at yourself though. Oh, hundred percent, man. I really enjoyed it. Cause I would like, I was curious. So I decided to go on Lancaster archery here right after the event. It's like, I'm bored. I'm going to go through there and look at the targets. When you look at the lion, the Buffalo, the moose, I mean, some of these are $3,200 targets. They're very like, yeah. wow, these are very expensive type things to bring in. There's like, let alone like just to get it, get your hands on a T-Rex or, a, or, a, or a Sasquatch. And it's like, man, these are, these add up rather rapidly to be able to have these on that are just fantastic. And I really enjoyed everything of it. I thought that everything was challenged. Everything was very well placed. I didn't, I don't have any, any concern. I don't have any complaints. I loved every minute of it. And all those arrows that I lost is putting me out of, out of, out of my comfort zone. And one thing I will recommend, cause this podcast is sponsored by HJ get the rise because it will make a world of difference. Having that second pin. If you're used to having that, uh, a single pin type of setup, because being able to get that extra yardage out there when you're stretching out to hundred yards. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. that's Savannah out there. You could, you could have actually had more hundred yard shots, but I think one's mm-hmm. enough because yeah. I think that really provides it. But then again, it's like you set this up to this way. Then you, if you don't want to shoot 129, you want to shoot at hundred or 80 or 50 or 40, whatever you're comfortable with, whatever to give you that, that motivation, like just kind of letting you go. Cause well, by the time you got to like that Buffalo, that bison, that was what number target? Nine? Uh, 12. 12? Uh, the, the Buffalo is 12, I believe. Yeah. yeah. On, the, so, on the Savannah. So by that time, you've already gone through 11 other targets. You went uphill and stuff like that. So you're already tired. You're already feeling the, 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 the exhaustion from all the sun and, and sweating and stuff like mm-hmm. that. What I did like is that you guys included salt. And that was something that is actually quite crucial for those that d- are not familiar with long distance runnings is a big uh, complaint that people have is a lactic acid buildup, not enough potassium. And I use that form one stuff. I drank a lot of that form one and that stuff was awesome. Oh yeah. That's, for, for, first form. Yeah. First form. That was yeah. some good stuff. I had to drink a lot mm-hmm. of that. So how did you and Jake yeah, connect? Jake. Yeah. Uh, boy. Uh, so he reached out to me. Uh, I believe I, I have some some competitors in the uh, you know that that do my fitness events and also some of my classes. Uh, they are supporters of First Form. They use their product, uh, and so I think that's how Jake learned about BMAC. And then Jake reached out to me uh, before the BMAC Indoor this past winter and said, "Hey, I'd love you know just learned about you. Love to come up and see what you're all about." And shout out to First Form. I mean. You know, being in the fitness industry, I know how important supplements and, and eating right and stuff like that is. I personally do not take a lot of that stuff uh, for multiple reasons, but I do believe in what they're doing. I, I, I do think that they're a great, great company in what they're doing. Uh, but a huge shout out to Jake and and the First Form Outdoors crew. You know, that's a that's a kind of a a department within first form first form is a huge supplement company and Jake is running their first form outdoors. So he's really, you know, helping the outdoorsman woman it, um, out, uh, and, and, and getting them nourished to whatever it is that they're doing. But 
they came to the BMAC Indoor, the BMAC Games, and the King of the Hill, and they're technically not a sponsor of of, uh, of Beast Mode, uh, but he wants to add value. Uh, he sees the importance of what we're doing. He sees uh, kind of the I know I don't want to call it a cult like uh, cult like following, uh, but it really is you know especially the BMAC Games and, and the and the archery fitness stuff. It's a uh, it's a tight niche family. I mean, I would encourage you to come to one of those events next year, whether it be to participate or to watch. I mean, to see people that are competitors are competing against one another, but yet they're cheering each other on is, is truly remarkable. And, and I think first form sees that and understands what, what I think it's, I think a big part of it is just being a bow hunter and being an outdoorsman and helping people, uh, uh, but they see it. They see the importance of it. And um, I, I suspect that they'll be back next year. We haven't talked yet, but um, yeah. Uh, so if, if you're in the market for supplements, uh, uh, protein, uh, they have electrolyte drinks. They have a ton of stuff. Uh, check, check out First Form. Oh, yeah, definitely. They, I had a nice conversation with Jake, and he really impressed me about everything. And then he, he gave me an idea what's all going on because I mentioned that I've listened to a lot of podcasts with Aubrey Marcus. So he kind of he went into the whole aspect of how they how they take care of their cauldrons, how they make make everything together, and mix everything, and how they mm-hmm. they don't put it as a, as a high of a heat. Because I was talking about like the product that I was using giving me a lot of gastrointestinal issues. And I think that's a, something that tends to happen a lot. And it's like, mm-hmm. I need to pay attention to that. Cause that stuff will eventually eat away. And my brother-in-law is having bouts with it. Cause he tried those products too. And now it's, 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 he's seen what happens to the deterioration of his, uh, of his, not only his gut health, but his uh, intestines and such. But man, yeah. this is a, uh, you, this is, I'm, I'm really hoping to see Jake show up more to these events. Cause I mean, that's a long trip from, from uh, Missouri Plus here, driving that big F650. Yeah, that thing's like, Jesus, the thing is huge. That thing's massive, right? That's, uh, I'd like to have a truck like that, but uh, maybe someday. But yeah, th- those things are pretty sweet. They have a, let's just say they have a, they have a budget a little bit, a little bit bigger than, uh, than what Beast Mode does right now. I think Anne Marie would probably like it. Like you could, it's okay. You could grab a sugar mama type scenario because man, that the diesel prices alone, that bad boy would be expensive here. Right. But one thing I want to compliment Anne Marie on, cause she did a lot of great pictures. A lot of them turn out really, really well. She's very, she's got that good, talented eye with it. And uh, I, she was talking to me about like what you guys do with the, the King of the Hill shirts. I mean, those shirts are original for that event. And I think that's what gives it that extra, uh, what's we're looking for the special to specialty about it. Like actually having, one. Mm-hmm. I didn't buy one. I should have bought one. Cause it's like, I'm kind of regretting it. Cause I, I earned it. I did all right. 40, 42 targets. 42. It, yeah. Yeah. Through the entire day and stuff like that. And I was the only one that did not have leg cramps or, or uh, uh, any muscle issues. <laughs> so yeah, that, I, I really think it really took advantage of it. Cause I was talking to Ryan and uh, well, Jeremy had, had no idea what to go for and stuff like that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I set him up for, for, for an experience that he'll never forget. And he appreciates it in the end because it's like, he's just trying to, to grow his toxin app. And then mm-hmm. Ryan was there. It's like, he knew what to expect, but right at the very end of the Western one, he started getting cramps in his thigh. It's like, it was, it was rough coming down those hills, but it it was definitely there's like a lot of really pretty shots and scenery and stuff like that. And I got a few good pictures of theirs too as well of myself, but I spent more time just like focusing on the shoot, but then that that break between when we finished up the front and then doing the uh 3D uh scramble. 
Mm-hmm. Where what what, came, what uh, inspired you to do an after dark three scramble <laughs> with spotlights? Because that was a lot of fun. Uh, boy, you know what? I, I don't know where that idea came from. I think uh, I was probably talking to some people. I I do literally stay up at night uh, thinking of crazy ideas for for these events. Uh, I this morning I woke up at at two thirty uh, because we we just uh, I was talking to Nathan that owns Tyrell. And we just decided last night that we are going to for sure be doing uh, the beast mode frozen archery challenge this winter. Awesome. So, I saw that you were advertising that yeah. and getting engaging people's uh, thoughts on that today or last, so, the last couple of days. It, it's uh, my mind goes a million miles an hour thinking of, of just crazy stuff to do. And I have so many crazy ideas, but I have to tame them down because I, I do want to stay true to, uh, you know, archery and a bow hunting challenge and, and keep these events as specific to bow hunting and, and situations that you might run into in the mountains or wherever, wherever it is that you might be hunting. Uh, cause there's some really crazy stuff that, uh, uh, from events that I've participated, I've done a lot of different, uh, fitness, uh, events in my lifetime. There's a lot of cool stuff that I would like to do, but I'm like, you know what, that just doesn't, uh, correlate with bow hunting. Uh, but I try to figure out things that that do correlate to bow hunting and add those into it, which is like the endurance event. Like I used to race mountain bikes and do, uh, you know, 12 and 24 hour uh, races. So that's where that idea is kind of stemming from. Um, one event that I was hoping to participate in back when I used to do a lot of competitions was uh, the death race by, uh, well, who the heck is it? Anyways, if you go on YouTube and YouTube the, the death race. Uh, that's probably the most extreme race that there is right now. Um, so there's, there's little ideas I get from that event. Uh, you know, just again, little things I get from different events and then stuff that I dream up in the middle of the night. Uh, but then try to correlate those into bow hunting and, and have, for example, one challenge I really want to do at the BMAC games, but we just haven't been able to figure out how to do it, uh, is to have like a polar plunge, like in a tough mutter. Uh, cause you know, we've all been sitting out in a tree stand when it's zero degrees and you're freezing, you're, you're can't feel your fingers or your toes are numb and you got to make that shot. Uh, but unfortunately every time we do the BMAC games, it's like a hundred degrees out and to have a, a, a pool big enough to get, you know, at least 10 people in at a time and, and to get them, it, it's just the logistics just is, it doesn't work, but I have a feeling that's going to happen at the BMAC Frozen event uh, this winter at Tyrol. So, uh, looking forward to, to doing that event. So that would be pretty exciting because I don't think the the pond there is is uh, applicable to do that. But you can definitely throw some throw a wrench into that and be able to pull it off and stuff like that. That could be its own little separate side event because you don't want to get anybody catching hypothermia and such. And so right, that would right. be. But it definitely will throw in. Through the, throw that uh, wrench in the whole process there because I've heard people getting uh, getting trapped. You know, Donnie Vincent here a couple of years ago, he was out in Montana or so, some place where they went up at sixty degree weather, and then all of a sudden they get caught in a blizzard coming back and they nearly died, uh, yeah. frostbite. I mean, it was a uh, those 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 stories exist. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's uh, you know, it's it it's um, uh, hunters have. We're st- we're stereo- stereotypical hunters where we drive our four wheelers to the tree stand. Is a lot of people have that idea when they think of a hunter, it's they're lazy, which 
you know, some, some of us are what, you know, that's whatever, but there's so many people that, that aren't, I mean, hunters, that's why I say hunters are the original athletes. When you think about that, uh, hundreds of years ago is the hunters that were the athletes. We're the ones, you know, that were chasing, chasing the food down and, and, and putting food on the table for your tribe or whatever it is that you were a part of. Oh yeah. hundred percent. If, if it wasn't for our ancestors, you and I would not be here right now. We, right. we have some tough SOBs throughout the last, uh, I don't know, a couple 10,000, 15,000 years mm-hmm. to get it's, to this particular uh, time. Yeah, it's definitely a lot different than now, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, we have to we have to pay homage to our grandparents because those folks they recognized in order for us to have what we have today, they had to sacrifice that 40, 50 years to actually no, we're probably looking more like almost a hundred years to get mm-hmm. to where because I think the Pitt Robertson Act was passed nineteen nineteen teens, I believe, maybe nineteen yeah, twenties, nineteen twenty. I thought it was yeah. It was, it might have been. I was I was saying 1912, but maybe it was 1912. It was during the um, it was during the Great Depression. So I do know that. Okay, so yeah, so that that could have happened in 29 or even or even in the 30s. But it's like, yeah, we're already coming to 100 years of that particular act, and also getting rid of market hunting and such. So and, either- and, and and so many people don't know what Fitman Robertson Act is. I mean, there's a lot of bow hunt or a lot of hunters that don't know what that is. Uh, but there's a lot of people. Uh, you know, a lot of my clients aren't hunters. They're not necessarily anti-hunters, but they're just non-hunters. And they just don't realize what um, the money for conservation comes from, that they can go out and enjoy their backpacking trip or, you know, whatever it is, is like, it's the hunters that are paying for you to have that opportunity to go out into a wilderness land and, uh, and to do your backpacking or to do your bird watching or whatever it might be. But not only that, it, it takes care of picnic tables. It also pays for those playgrounds. It, it makes sure the docks are are well maintained. I mean, w- when we have like when, well, when when we found out that Biden was coming to office, I mean, the amount of background checks per month jumped into three, four million a month, and it's like that. That's just background checks. That's not including the amount of ammunition. So right now, it's like when we have a uh, a uh, a. a America last person in, in office or the whole entire um, deep state that's going on here. It's like that, that particular fund gets very well flooded and we see a lot of advances over the summer, especially in the, the spring when stuff comes through, when we start seeing those new picnic tables, those new docks, mm-hmm. the new banks, yeah. stuff like that, the new rock that's coming in the new sand. I mean, the, to help replenish those beaches all because of that act right there. And it's something that we have to pay homage to. And I like bringing it up every, every so often because we need to. That's why uh, when you, when people come from overseas and come to like the Dells, the Dells have a lot of. It's a, it's a melting pot of different cultures. But when they come here, mm-hmm. they don't they don't have the same experiences that they do where they came from. Because though you've been to the Dells and you you've met people that are from Russia or France or Paris, and they're right. here and they're appreciating. They're on. Um, they're doing an internship or doing mm-hmm. something a study abroad. And they get to experience this, and it's like it's because of all the the money that we spend. It's like we're us outdoorsmen work very, very hard to enjoy our passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. We're in a country that you and I can afford to, even though gear is getting expensive, right? Uh, everything's getting expensive, but at least we can still afford to go out and go hunting. Uh, and it's not just for uh, the wealthy or for uh, an elite group of people. What 
which many countries are that way. So yeah, exactly. Now it's like uh, uh, Chuck Grassley and then uh, Tammy Baker from here. Or it's it's she's a, a Democrat here from uh, uh, from Wisconsin. There there's a law going on. It's, it's like the Farmland Securities Act. And what they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to stop foreign investors coming in and buying up land. I think there's it's thirty seven point six million acres of land that are owned by foreign entities. Now, we're not guilty of it either because during 2014 when the Ukraine wanted to borrow a bunch of money from the from uh, the central bank, they allowed BlackRock and Vanguard to come through and buy up literally 70% of the countryside. Now, we're trying to insert they're trying to control the food over here so it's like we're starting to see this spill into our world into our hunting and our fishing because bill gates owns he's trying to buy another couple hundred acres thousand acres of land i think no uh there's there's 15 states that don't allow uh foreign countries to buy land and then what is it and then north dakota oddly enough is the only country only state in America, that will does not allow like Monsanto, Bill Gates, uh, the Turners to come through and buy large swaths of land, and it's, mm. it, they put it on the books back in the earth in the thirties. Now these guys were were right on top of, it, but now it's like we're running into that right now because like people are saying like, well, if I sell my farm now, my kids will be able to have all this extra money, but it, we're running we're 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 since we're, we're our dollar is going to go to nothing because right. we have yeah, bricks. Who, who, who are you selling it to, right? That's and what are they going to use that for? Yeah, con- control the food, control the people, and it's like that's what we're trying to do and stuff like that. And it's getting very, very scary because that they're trying to change us from going from having cattle-fed meat or corn-fed beef to having CRISPR-grown meat and stuff like that. And this is stuff is that we're playing with something that we shouldn't be doing. And it's right. like the, the silent, the soylent green, brave new world, 1984. These books were written to, as a warning, and here they are as a blueprint. And you have um, uh, Yo, uh, Yuval Noah Yavardi. He is the he is a uh, Joseph Mengele uh, prodigy. Because it's like he now not only has the funding, but he also has the backing of the who? The CDC and the World Economic Forum. And that guy, if you really dig into him, it's like he, he, you swear he he came from Joseph Mengele, but except he managed to survive and make it down to South America. Those who really want to get a really big, deep history about World War II, Operation Paperclip, and everything that's been going on, Hunting Hitler's on Hulu, and I recommend watching with Tim Kennedy. It will it'll definitely open your eyes up. Like I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's still... 52 u-boats that haven't been found mm, I, I did i didn't know that number but i knew that there was some jeff i just want to say something you are i don't know how your mind works that so you can remember all this stuff but uh you have a very fascinating brain and and you can remember these people's names and and uh all this information and uh, you have a couple other podcasts which i don't know i'm sure a lot of people know but maybe not everybody that's listening to this does but uh, it's, it, you're a very fascinating person to listen to. And, and you have a lot of, a wealth of information about a lot of different stuff. And what's really cool is that you can always bring it back to how it's affecting us as hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and not everybody has that ability to, to, to make that connection. And there, there's so much going on in this country and in the world that is going to affect our hunting, uh, and and the opportunities that we have uh, moving forward. So exactly. I, I think even though some people might be listening to you and be like, this guy's this guy's nuts, you know, uh, because I get that too. Some people think I'm nuts too, but I think there is there is some a lot of truth to what you say and a lot of truth to what is in that information. And people need to 
I guess, open your eyes to some of this and realize that there is a lot of this stuff that is happening because yeah. our, because the land that we're hunting on is, is definitely not growing. It is in some areas, but it's not, it's, it's diminishing to what you and I as public land hunters can use. Correct. Exactly. Cause when you look at Iowa and Texas, they bounce back and forth between 49 and 50 for public land. I mean, and it's like the, the access is becoming more and more limited. This all goes back to a, a Jenna 21. This that was, that was done back in 92 in um, Brazil when, when G seven got together to manipulate everything. Cause their whole goal is to get everybody to focus, to go into the cities. Cause as long as we're hunters and we have uh, farms, stuff like that, the, the small businesses, we're able to fend on our own. That's what allows us to not be, completely enslaved for and that's one of the things with you have to look at because why educate people at is that you want to pull yourself up to a thirty thousand foot view where you're actually looking from both sides of the hemisphere because a lot of stuff that goes on in geneva and everything else will affect us here because they've already they've already been able to get eliminate guns over there they were the last free nation and one thing that i, I try to emphasize on everybody it's like buy more ammunition and, and make those guns disappear off of registry, registers because once we lose because the, the attack on the second memo that we've been that we've been bombarding with ever since sandy hook and and columbine and stuff like that it's all designed to destroy and dismantle the, the constitution one of the things they've done on a local level is they stopped teaching kids how to write cursive our most valuable document is written in cursive. You keep you stop a generation from that. We've seen this big disconnect in spirituality. I think that what we've seen with hunting world is that we've seen people moving back to a spirituality, like may not be God, may not be Allah, may not be uh, um, anything else, but it's like they, they, they reconnect to the earth because it's a, we found this as a form of mental health. That's why you never hear about a hunter shooting up a school. You hear about them defending the school and, and defending churches, but you never hear about right. them doing that because if you don't take care of your mental health, that, that, that anger will turn into resentment. That resentment turns into anguish and that word, that manifestation will turn into those, those things right there. And that's what we do. Like men, we don't talk about our feelings. We do, it's something that's just programmed into us from an early age. We don't talk about it. But with you us, have feelings? I don't. I don't think I have any feelings. <laughs> no, you buried inside the beast mode. Our beast mode games make sure everybody's coming out sweating and, right? and cussing and screaming. But that's something that we 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 rely on that that testosterone boost. Like when you do a beast mode game, it's like you really bring to the cardinal aspect of the QMB that 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 masculinity is not toxic. It's like, it's something that's been there, but we've been so nurtured to kind of put it at bay. And now it's like, we're starting to see this transition where the good guys are starting mm -hmm. to show up and like, Hey, we want to introduce you to all this different stuff that's going on here. That's why a podcast like myself, uh, where to hunt podcast, not where to hunt, but the okay's hunter, uh, SmackDown podcast. Uh, I have my other one on Fridays, the, the dose after dark, where we, where we sit down, we deep dive into this, like tomorrow that this pod, our podcast will be, cause this, this podcast will come out tonight is that we're going to be discussing what will, what will civil war look like here in the United States. And this will play into this next seg segment is that we need to keep teach our younger kids if this does kick off how to trap how to skin how to grow plants how to not rely on the modern medicine and the cdc and all those poisons mm -hmm. and that's where we have to really focus on that stuff right there yeah and uh, i'd say let's hope and pray that stuff doesn't doesn't actually happen but uh historically speaking uh you know the it's it's happened in the past. So there's no reason why it wouldn't happen uh, in the future and maybe in the closer future than what we hope, you know, something like that might, might happen. But 
But I think, you know, in simpler terms, it's just, we got to get outside. We got to get kids outside. We as adults need to be outside. Uh, we need to get away from electronics. Um, you know, I, I'm a fan of, uh, uh, Michael Easter's book, which I can't even think of the name of the book right now. I'm, I say, I don't have the brain like you do. You just be able to rattle off, but <laughs> it, it, oh, the comfort crisis, uh, it is, is getting outside of your comfort zone. And, and we rely way too much on these cell phones, uh, that control our lives and, and to get away, you know, my wife and I, we just went uh, on a Western trip here a few weeks ago, a month ago. And we spent a couple of days where we didn't have cell coverage. So you're not always connected. And my goodness gracious, how much better you feel because you're not being uh, spoon fed uh, the crap that uh, Google or Apple or, uh, you know, whoever it is uh, wants you to, to read. And uh, yeah, it's just my, my point is, is to get outside more. Uh, leave your cell phones at home or, or turn off the data so you're not constantly being bombarded by stuff and make yourself uncomfortable um, because uh, we live in an era right now where we're too comfortable and that's going to, that's going to, that's detrimental to, uh, to us and our society for so many different reasons, oh, yeah. which, you, what, which is one of the reasons why the BMAT games and all those events are as tough as they are because they are made for people to, to make a commitment to push themselves and to do something that they're, that you don't get to experience on a daily basis. Oh, hundred percent, man. With 2200 reps, the, the, the endurance, is that the next event for beast mode? So the next event is going to be the frozen event. It'll be the, the beast mode frozen archery challenge. It's going to be, I think, don't hold me to it, but I think it's going to be January 28th at Tyrell basin. Okay, last week in hunting season, depending on what, car, uh, what uh, county you're in. Yep. Uh, so the last weekend of January, we have an event. The last weekend of April, we have an event. That's the uh, the BMAC Endurance event. Uh, the last weekend of June, we have an event. That's the BMAC Games. And then the last weekend of July, it's pretty easy to remember, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Last weekend of all those months is the King of the Hill then. So that's, that's our 2023 schedule. Uh, we'll probably for sure, like we did this year, we had – I think we had a half a dozen scrambles that we just kind of scheduled a couple weeks in advance. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of, that, that's the event schedule so far. I like to have at least a month or so in between each event, just cause it takes a while to, to set up and plan for it and all that good stuff. Well, I, I know exactly. Cause I did the, the R100 three weeks ago from, from Sunday to Friday, I didn't touch my bow. Then I had the Beast Mode Archery Games. I shot all day Saturday. Didn't touch my bow again until last Saturday, last Saturday when we went to the HJ uh, uh, Antler Archers and shot there. And I haven't touched it since because come Friday, I'm going to be going out to South Dakota for to hang out with my buddy out there. And we're going to be dropping bombs from 20 all the way up to 100 yards. And we got to sounds like he's inviting a whole bunch of people over. It's going to be a, a social awesome. media frenzy, but it's like it's just a bunch of us guys that really have are very like minded and such. And we have these deep introspective conversations and it's going to be it's going to absolutely be a blast. That's awesome. You, you got to have that. Yeah, right. That's uh uh, I'm, I'm now that it's August, uh, I wasn't going to do a scramble here closer to hunting season, but I'm like, you know what? I, uh, th- 
it's not, it's like I have a monkey off my, off my back when the events, all the big events are over. I don't, you know, obviously I'm thinking and planning for next year. Uh, but I'm just really looking forward to hunting season. You know, uh, I have a, an elk hunt in September with Johnny. Uh, we're going to Colorado. This is the first time that we've drawn a unit. It's always been over, over the counter stuff. Uh, so we have a draw unit for elk, uh, in September going to South Dakota for a mule deer hunt spot and stock first time mule deer hunting. And then probably realistically won't be able to probably won't be white tail hunting until late October then because of travel and you know, that type of stuff. So I'm just, uh, yeah, just trying to relax a little bit and uh, focus on next year, but get ready for the hunting season. So, yo, yeah, I don't blame you, man. Cause it's like, you get, you shoot a lot. You kind of get burnt out. Yes. To it's, to it's a point, but sometimes you just, you want to have that break, but you know, you'll get back into it and you're, you'll get back into just for shooting for fun and not having a competitive right. aspect of it. Plus you still, you still do your, your um, get fit with Brian outdoors on the, mm-hmm. on the, almost on the daily. So. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, our, my Tuesday night class at Tyro Basin last night, we had 18 or 19 people, a uh, great group of people that are there with one common goal uh, to get fit for hunting, rather it be white tail hunting or elk hunting or whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, obviously we, even I complain from time to time about how hot and humid it is and stuff, but, uh, it's a group of, of, of men and women that, uh, basically want, they want their asses kicked and, and uh, I try to do the best that I can. Uh, sometimes, uh, they make it harder than what it should be because they're getting in too good a shape, but, uh, but we try to have a good time, you know, we're doing the Hills at Tyro, we're shooting targets, uh, shooting, um, you know, realistic scenarios under pressure, uh, with elevated heart rates from different, uh, you know, uh, standing, kneeling situations like that, uh, doing quick follow-up shots. Uh, you know, I've, if you're a bow hunter long enough, there's going to come a time where you make a, a shot that, you know, you hoping was going to be better, but it wasn't. And you got to make that follow-up shot. Uh, trying to this next couple of weeks, we're going to be focusing a little bit more on, uh, not using your range finder. You know, I used to, I grew up shooting when there wasn't range finders and you had a range, you know, you had to guesstimate the, the distance. And now with range finders, people, they don't know, it could be 15 yards or 50 yards. They have no idea. Uh, so it, it's learning that, that, um, that art of, of estimating the yardage. Cause there's going to come a time where you're not going to be able to use your range finder. Oh yeah. That happened to me. Uh, 2020, I had a doe come in. I thought she was, uh, 25. She was 20 and arrow went right over the top of her, but it, it was a clean miss. I was, I was happy to have a clean miss then a, but she, it was a beautiful broadside shot, but I left my range finder in my truck 80 yards away. And it's like, well, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. But yeah, it's like I've lost that arc too because when I first started hunting, I used to work at a, fa- a factory where we had measurements of five or four yards, 10 yards, 20 yards coming off the line. So you you kind of had an idea what to look at the, the, me- the memory. Now it's like I stare in front of three computers all day long. So it's like my distance is kind of, uh, mm-hmm. I lost that that edge. Right, exactly. I mean, it's definitely a, a an art. It's a if you don't use it, you lose it. I mean, you can kind of always kind of feel for what's 20 yards, but you know, if you're shooting a lot, if you're a competitive archer, when I, when I used to shoot a lot, I mean, you kind of knew just by looking at that target, 
kind of the approximate distance just by how it looked from where you're standing from. And that's how, that's how some of these archers that, you know, they're great. Obviously they're great shots, but what's more impressive is how good they can judge the distance to the half yard. You know, it's, I know of a few guys, it's, you know, that I'll say, well, the target's about 44 yards. It's actually about 44 and a, and a half, actually. I'm like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm shooting for 44. <laughs> so, no, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. There, there are those folks out there. When I shot with uh, Ryan, uh, um, yeah, when I shot with Ryan, he was able to do that. He, but he's been shooting long enough where he was, Dudley was still shooting tournaments, stuff like that, and going across seas and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I feel bad for him because he reached out to you because he, he has no idea where that uh, tension release ran, ran off to. From, oh, that's from- right. I, I forgot to send him a message back because he, he reached out to me looking, asking for that. And we grid searched that because we had class that we, we uh, I looked, a couple others looked all over for it and, and nobody turned it up. And uh, if it was there, we would have found it. So um, and unless somebody grabbed it, you know, whatever, or, mm-hmm. or, or it's, it's, it like me, I put it somewhere where, uh, you know, a safe place. And I forgot where that, that safe place was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause that was like, that was a personally delivered given release from John Dudley 25 wow. years ago. It's like, there's, there's some, there's some history behind that. So hopefully somebody could find it, but it, it uh, keeps them from developing target panic. And when it breaks, it breaks very clean. It's a very, it's old Carter and it works great. Wow. Yeah. The Carters are awesome. I have my same release from uh, 15 years ago. That I still use. Is that some, so man, Brian, this has been a, a almost two hour long podcast, dude. It was a blast oh. having you on here, man. I am definitely looking forward to uh, the, uh, the ice challenge, the beast mode ice world or the Yeti Ooh, challenge. I, I, I like that. I like the ice. I'm still trying to come up with a name right now. I keep using frozen, the beast mode, frozen, archery challenge but i kind of like ice the beast mode ice archery challenge yeah I like that. everything will still be cold and you and if you want to splash the yeti in there too as well no no affiliation to the company but you know right. the yeti challenge because i don't think there's actually anybody out there that has that uh trademark or anything like that so that is something you always look into but you have to compete right. with yeti it's, itself but who knows you buy that you buy that trademark before they do it's like oh you want this Oh, right, it, right. this is your payday. This is what could help you get that F650. <laughs> right? No, it's uh yeah, I don't all these trademarks and stuff. Somebody just recently said, well, you know, somebody else has Beast. I'm not going to say what it was, but Beast was in the name of it. I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure he didn't come up with Beast and uh, you know, and I, I didn't even know Cameron Haynes had beast mode bow hunting back in the eighties. I had no, when I came up with the beast mode archer challenge, I had no idea that that was a thing. So people are like, Oh, you're copying Cameron. I was like, to be honest with you, I didn't even know who Cameron Haynes was until a few years ago. So it's like, I don't know, whatever, you know, it's, it's just a dang name. Get over it. Yeah. I wouldn't have known either. I didn't know until you just told me. So that's news to me. Yeah. So Um, what's the, what's the best way to find you on the interweb? Yeah. Uh, so Instagram, uh, at beast mode archery, same as uh, Facebook. Uh, if you want to follow some of the training stuff I do, that's uh, GFB outdoors on Instagram. I think my Facebook page for that, uh, is get fit with Brian. I think GFB outdoors is taken on Facebook. So it's get fit with Brian on Facebook. If you want to follow the, the fitness and training aspect of things, uh, even though I do some of that on, on, uh, the beast mode stuff, 
uh, YouTube. I have a, the Beast Mode Archery YouTube channel. Uh, I'm not a huge YouTuber, but I try to get stuff up there that's relevant to what's going on uh, for for what we have going on and on our schedule and stuff. Um, yeah, uh, if you need to email me, it's beastmodearchery at gmail. Um, uh, not uh, not on uh, not a ticky tocky uh, guy. I'm uh-huh. <laughs> not any of that stuff. So yeah, I am on the the, the Go Wild app, but I don't post on there much but i'm on go wild and, and it, again it's beast mode archery yeah i'm on there too i don't post very much on there either so well thank you brian for coming on the podcast it's always a pleasure talking to you well thank you buddy and i do appreciate you coming to the event and i appreciate everybody else that came and the group that you brought and um that's that's how we're just going to keep growing these these awesome events is people like uh, you and everybody else and telling their friends and stuff so I, I truly do appreciate everybody that came out and uh the time that you gave me here yeah you're very welcome sir we'll talk to you soon all right thanks jeff you're welcome